0: Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I'm Jordan Jones. Back here today, it is Sunday night, December 4th. We have plenty to talk about here. After another full weekend of Purdue Athletics, football went down and played in the Big Ten Championship for the first time ever. And you know what? They hung in there. I thought they played pretty well. Uh, And I think they certainly played better than the final score indicated. We'll talk all about that. And since the last episode, Purdue's played two basketball games uh, just about an hour ago. I left Mackey Arena following Purdue's eighty-nine to seventy win over Minnesota, and Purdue won in the final Big Ten ACC challenge over a atypical Florida State team, seventy-nine to sixty-nine. So, plenty to talk about here today. We'll start with football. We will end with basketball. Uh, thank you to all of you who have been listening lately some of the numbers on this show have been awesome uh, going up like crazy so thank you I appreciate all of you who listen who share the show who you know hang out with us on Twitter at Boilers Beyond and participate in the Q&A's and just engage uh, with the show uh, you guys are the best and keep sharing that I mean let's keep this thing growing but I appreciate you guys so much. Uh, it's been cool to see these numbers the last couple weeks. And there's been a lot to be excited about. Certainly, football making the Big Ten championship game helps with that. And look, you know, Purdue lost this game 43-22. to And two things are true here. You know, one, I don't know how much better, how much more you really could have asked for from Purdue. You know, yes, Purdue settled for five field goals in this game, and that's brutal. To only score one touchdown, man, you know, there were so many opportunities. Purdue was, uh what, I believe Purdue was five for six in the red zone, either four for five or five for six, and only came away with one touchdown. You know, that's a bummer. Um That speaks both to the Purdue offense, which in general – you know, isn't necessarily designed to be great in compact areas. It is a very open field type of offense, and Purdue did a great job with that. I thought Purdue, you know, putting up over four four 450 yards, I believe, of total offense. I mean, 456 yards of offense. Has anyone done that on Michigan this year? I doubt it. I mean, that's one of the best defenses in the country, if not the best defense in the country. And Purdue was able to put up 456 yards. That's quite impressive. And yeah, Purdue was five for six in the red zone with one touchdown and four field goals. That's not ideal. You know, you had the interception there in the, in the red zone. Doesn't help, but you know, you're trying to make plays. And when you're in games like this, You know, you got to go out there and try to make plays. And I think that's what Purdue did. Aiden O'Connell had a nice game. Uh, I'm really glad to see that for him. Obviously, it's been a a really tough two weeks for him dealing with the loss of his brother. And he performed well. It's unfortunate that the final stat line shows no touchdowns to two picks because I don't think that's a good representation of his performance. I thought that was one of his best performances of the year, all things considered. I think it was certainly welcomed that Purdue didn't have to play in poor weather. You look at their last four games of the season, three of them were in suboptimal weather conditions, be it the wind against Iowa, wind and cold against Illinois and Northwestern. This one was a little bit nicer being in a dome. That certainly helped. Charlie Jones had another massive game, and I'd kind of wondered if Michigan would be able to to really limit him. The answer was no. Uh, he had a really nice game, you know, 13 catches for 162 yards. That That's unreal. Uh, he has just been an absolute godsend. Definitely a little fuel to the fire this week, I think, that he didn't win the Big Ten wide receiver of the year that went to Marvin Harrison Jr. probably rightfully so, but you know, that probably added some fuel to Charlie Jones's fire. He was really good. Uh Mer-Sean Rice, what's up man? We haven't seen him in forever. Uh he had a nice game. Purdue utilized him a lot. TJ Sheffield, you know, a couple of nice catches in there. You know, Purdue's passing game as a whole was effective. You had eight completions of 20 plus yards. That's a lot. And when you do that, you know, you do run the risk of those two interceptions coming in there, but in a game like this, Purdue had to outside of the two long runs, Maccabee's 25 yard run and Tyrone Tracy's 20 yard run, you know, Purdue didn't get a ton going on the ground. Uh, they were at 90 yards. They were up towards about 120 if you take away O'Connell sacks, but you know, Purdue wasn't going to get the run game going great. Not against Michigan's defensive front. Not running into guys like Mozzie Smith. Not running into the their their defensive line. I mean, they're they're a really good team. Uh, so Purdue had to throw the ball. Aiden O'Connell did a nice job of that. I, you know, Purdue went with the, the fake punt in the second quarter. I liked that. I mean, you kind of got to break out the stops here because it, in reality, you know, Two things can be true. I, I I think Purdue played about as well as they could have, especially on offense. But there really was never a point where I felt that Purdue was going to win the game. Uh, that never happened. I mean, even when it was ten to seven, you know, Purdue Purdue simply was going to have to withstand Michigan's offense for a really long time, and convert in the red zone with pretty much all touchdowns instead of field goals if they were going to win this game. And, you know, I, I don't think that was going to happen. You know, you look at Michigan running the ball for five five 5.9 yards a carry, so six yards per carry. That's tough. I mean, when you're carrying the ball that effectively, there's not much Purdue can do. J.J. McCarthy's not some unbelievable quarterback, but he makes the plays that he needs to. And he was really good when Michigan needed him to be good. A lot of third downs he made nice throws on. He only made 17 throws on the day, 11 completions, but he was pretty effective outside of that interception. That I don't really know what that was. That wasn't great. But, you know, all things considered, I think Purdue should feel good about how they performed in Indianapolis. I think you know, the, you're know, you never going to get away from the narrative that the Big Ten East trounces the Big Ten West and that it's so much better because obviously it is. I mean, the three best teams in the Big Ten this year, undeniably, are Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. They're all from the East. Uh, probably the unquestioned worst team is Northwestern. Indiana's not wasn't good either, nor was Rutgers, but I think Northwestern's probably the worst there in the West. That doesn't help. So you're never gonna get away from that narrative, but Purdue competed. And Purdue looked like it kind of belonged on that field. Now Purdue didn't look like it was on the equal, you know, on an equal pedestal as Michigan. That certainly wasn't the case, but Purdue Purdue showed up and Purdue Performed about as well as I think you could ask. I mean, you know, the line on this game was what sixteen points I think it closed at, and outside of a late touchdown from Michigan, Purdue covers that. Purdue led in the in the second quarter. Purdue was down one point at halftime. I mean, those those stats. If you told told me that before the game, especially, you know the the first half, Purdue's down 14 to 13 at half, you'll take that every time. Absolutely. You're big underdogs, you're in the game. Now when Michigan came out and busted off the big run and scored twice to push it to twenty-eight to twenty-eight to thirteen, I mean, yeah, it it was over at that point. But, you know, nonetheless, I I don't know what more Purdue could have done. Mitchell Finneran was good. You know, he he made all five of his field goal attempts. He was rock solid for Purdue today, yesterday. And, you know, really, I, I said this on Twitter before the game. It really felt like kind of the culmination of the turnaround of this program. Six years ago, in December of 2016, Jeff Brom took the Purdue job. And they're really was no momentum behind it. Uh, You had a school with facilities that weren't great, a school that had been, how about we say, hesitant to invest in football at a high level. You had a roster that was really poor, and you had fan apathy through the roof. And now, you know, Purdue swung that. And six years is a long time, especially in today's college football, but in six years, you know now Purdue's going to its fourth bowl game. Purdue just won eight regular season games for the second straight year. You're playing in a New Year's Day bowl game this year. You know that that's awesome. Yeah, you hit your season win total over. I like that. I, you're outperforming expectations and you have something now to kind of stick your stick, you know, to kind of take pride in and say that, you know, we did this. We won the Big Ten West. We got to Indy. And you know what? We gave Michigan all they really wanted to handle. And with that, I think Purdue's capped off a good season, uh, a good regular season. Now you get LSU in the Citrus Bowl. Uh, I cert- think that certainly could be a tough matchup. Now, I was the one who said that I didn't think Purdue could hang with Tennessee last year. And I was wrong about that. So take what I have to say with predictions, with a grain of sand. Look at my predictions on this show. They're not very good, but um, I think that's a matchup Purdue could really struggle with. But at the same time, you know, Purdue's going to go out there and play hard. And if they play hard like they did yesterday, they play smart for the most part. They're going to hang in there. Uh, Purdue people have a lot to be happy about. I know it was certainly mostly Michigan fans at the game yesterday. Uh, I was there. I'm glad I went. It was cool to see that. Um, decent Purdue turnout. Not great. A lot of Michigan people. But, uh, you know, it gives something people something to be excited about. And now, you know, you can go to a New Year's Day bowl game in Florida, get out of the cold weather. It's just another another positive piece of momentum that Purdue has built up over the last six years And I think all in all, you know, this last month, uh, the last four weeks for Purdue football have been really, really good. Transitioning over to basketball here a little bit, you know, basketball is so hard because, you know, I, I don't do a show after every game. I guess I could. I'm not completely out on that idea. I've still got to figure out what I want to do this year in terms of regularity on shows, but... You know, Purdue was able to survive the worst spot possible on Wednesday. You know, they played Florida State in just a bizarre spot. Purdue hadn't left Portland until super late on Sunday night. You know, they didn't get back to Lafayette until 4 in the morning or so. And then on Tuesday night, they're flying to Tallahassee to play this game. And Florida State's desperate. They are absolutely desperate now. They struggled; they're not very good, but they were they were desperate. And Purdue started slow. Purdue really didn't play all that well. Um, they started off turning the ball over too much, but I thought they really tightened that up late in the game, and that was that was big time. That was a sign that this team is probably more mature than their experience level shows. And that's a great attribute to have. You have a guard like Braden Smith in that game, 13 points, nine rebounds, seven assists. That's a pretty full stat sheet. And in that second half, he just kind of took over a little bit. Zach Eady did as well. You know, he had 25 points in that game. But to a certain degree, Braden Smith kind of put the team on his back and went and won that game. Uh, And that was a game that, you know, for Purdue, you couldn't lose because of how bad Florida State was. You couldn't afford to lose. You can't take a loss to a team that bad. But, boy, that was a game that there wasn't a whole lot in Purdue's favor. And they were able to overcome that and get a win. And I think it's games like that that speak to the character of this team. This team plays with a more win-at-all-costs mentality than what Purdue has had the last two to three years. Um, You know, that team, I guess, three years ago uh, that got shortened by COVID, you know, that team wasn't all that good. But I think certainly the last two teams did not have that win-at-all-costs mentality that this team does. They weren't as competitive as this team is. You know, like tonight, Purdue beat Minnesota, eighty-nine to seventy, and with thirty seconds left in the game, Caleb First goes flying into the scorer's table after a loose ball. You'd seen earlier in the game, a couple instances for both Braden Smith and Trey Kaufman wren where they're down on the floor, dri- diving after loose balls. Zach Eady was diving after loose balls in Portland. I mean, that stuff you don't, you don't notice sometimes that it's not there until you have it. And this year's team plays incredibly hard. They play incredibly motivated. You know, they play with a chip on their shoulder. And that is something, they have a swagger to them that Purdue hasn't hasn't had in a while. A different type of swagger, a confidence swagger. Um, That's something that's really good for this group. And I thought another thing, you know, looking at that Minnesota game tonight. Obviously, the storyline is Zach Eady. 30 points, 20 rebounds. I think what he had. What did he do here? 31 and 22. Uh, That is absurd. That is absolutely insane. I didn't confirm this, but it's got to be Purdue's first 30-20 game since Caleb Swanigan. I know he did that a few times. Uh, his second year at Purdue, but that's unbelievable. You know the, I'll probably end up saying it, you know, forty times this winter. But the progression that Zach Eady has made at Purdue is is quite something. You know, now he is so much more comfortable than he was even last year. He doesn't get flustered all that much with the ball in his hands, even against Minnesota. 11 for 23 from the field, that's not normal for him. That's not a very good day from a field goal percentage standpoint for Zach Eady. He's better than that. But he didn't get flustered. He just kept putting up shots. He had a lot of good shots that didn't go in. You know, you live with that sometimes. It happens. But he didn't lose confidence. And it didn't translate, you know, like to the free throw line where he was still 9 for 10. Uh, He was still aggressive going after rebounds. I mean, 22 of them is absolutely crazy. I thought it was interesting for this game. Purdue had to play without Mason Gillis. And don't, you know, I listened to Matt Painter's post game interview. He didn't know the extent of Gillis's injury in terms of a timetable of his return. You want him back sooner rather than later. I think you can beat Hofstra without him on Tuesday. I can't claim. Claim to be a Hofstra expert. I'm looking up where they're at at Ken Palm as we speak, but you know, I, I I think you want them back. Oh, they're 132 at Ken Palm. That's not bad. That's is that better than Minnesota? It's pretty close. Minnesota's not good either. um Yeah, that's better than Minnesota at Ken Palm. So there's that. But I did think Ben Johnson's team played hard. You know, Purdue got up. Purdue didn't get off to a great start, and they really haven't been a good starting team at all this season yet. But, you know, Purdue goes on that little run, and they boat race. It's a 40-20. to And at that point, you know, Minnesota could have quit. They could have mailed it in, just got back on the plane, and went back to Minneapolis. But they played hard. You know, Jamison Battle's a good player. It's a weird program. They're really nearing that territory now where – They're turning into a Nebraska in the sense that, you know, throughout the Fred Hoiberg era, you turn on Nebraska every year and you don't know who any of these people are because none of them were at Nebraska last year. And as I was looking at this game, obviously I remember Jamison Battle. He's a really good player. He shoots a ton, but he makes a lot. He's a good player. I remember Dawson Garcia transferring from North Carolina he was a guy that Purdue did a great job on in this game. They were able to get him in foul trouble, and that was key because when he was at North Carolina last year, you know he wasn't on the team for long, but he was there in November when Purdue played them at uh, Mohegan Sun in that Hall of Fame challenge, and he gave Purdue the works. Uh, he, he kept North Carolina in that thing. So, for Purdue to really take him out of the game was good. But outside of Garcia and battle, I don't know who any of these people are. I know one of them was a big, pretty good sized recruit. I mean, you know, Taylor Cooper had a good game. He was fantastic, 15, 5, and 8. But I mean, they're just a, a kind of a no name group a little bit. And that's not all that good. That's going to be a tough job for. Ben Johnson to climb out of, but you know, regardless, uh, they they competed. I did think it was a little, little discern disconcerting about Purdue giving up seventy points in this game. You know, maybe we're just kind of overreactionary after what happened last season and the disappointment of last season, but. You don't want this team to fall into the trap that they just want to outscore people. You know, right now Purdue can. Right now Purdue is able to. They really haven't fallen off on offense at all. Purdue has the number one adjusted offensive efficiency at Ken Palm right now. They had one point three points per possession against Minnesota tonight. That that's insane. Quite literally, Purdue's operating with the best offense in the country right now. But we know how big of an issue defense was last year. And if you're Purdue, you cannot fall into that trap. I this team's going to have its limitations on defense, no doubt. You know, you saw what Minnesota did tonight, and they went at Zach Eady. They got him in space a lot, and you know, there's only so much he can do. He has improved as a defender. He's better than he was a season ago. He's learning how to be a rim protector more and be active there than just big. But there are still going to be limitations there. And you kind of have to make up for it elsewhere. Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith are going to be good defenders in time, I think. And they have good moments right now, but they're young Uh I think Purdue can do some nice things on the outside. You know, Brandon Newman, Ethan Morton, uh Mason Gillis, a solid defender. Caleb First can be. They have a lot of good things going there, but you know, keep an eye on that defense because this is a game that, you know, Purdue won eighty-nine to seventy, and you're thrilled about that, but that could have been eighty-nine to fifty nine. And you could have held Minnesota you know instead of 45 47% from the field you hold them to the low 40s you feel a little bit better about it um this team doesn't force a ton of turnovers which you know again is is fine braden smith's kind of your only guy who's real aggressive there in terms of forcing the issue but just something to keep an eye on with this team you couldn't ask for anything better though as a whole you know this team is 8-0 They've only played w- one real close game. I would say Florida State, you know, was pretty close. But they're doing it in different ways. You know, Zach Eadie's been the star of every game. Ken Palm kind of has his MVP deal where he gives out, you know, who's the MVP of every game. And Zach Eadie's had it for every single game. I haven't seen if he won it for this game or not, but – uh I I have my suspicion that he did. Yeah, he did. So, you know, he's won the little Ken Palm MVP of every game. Right now, Ken Palm has him as the projected National Player of the Year, and I wouldn't. I think it's too early to say any of that, but I'm not going to disagree with it. I, he has been that dominant. It's been incredible. But in every game you see different guys step up. You know, it, in Tallahassee, it's Braden Smith with a phenomenal game. And he's a little bit more quiet in this one. Didn't didn't score, uh, didn't get as many rebounds or assists, you know, just didn't have as big of a game. But Fletcher Lawyer knocks in twenty points. Uh Brandon Newman had a nice game. Trey Kaufman Wren, kind of the beneficiary of Mason Gillis not being in the game that benefits Trey Kaufman red and he has a nice game. I thought he played hard. Uh, I'm not sold on him as a three point shooter yet from what I've seen, but down in the post, he's a legitimate scorer. He is really good down there. He's a nice piece. Caleb first, you know, 10 points on five shots. That'll do. That'll absolutely do. Uh, Again, you'd like to get Mason Gillis back sooner rather than later you know, Purdue comes this week with Hofstra and at Nebraska. So, I, you know, you, I do think this has been a beneficial early draw for Purdue and they are through the meat of their non-conference. You know, you look out here, they don't have another high major opponent left in non-conference. They have Hofstra, Davidson, New Orleans, and Florida, A and M not a murderer's row there. I, if you mess around enough, you can lose maybe to Hofstra or Davidson. Uh, New Orleans and FAMU are both over 330 in Ken Palm, uh, so they're terrible. But Purdue just needs to continue building and continue growing. You know, just because this team looks like it's really good and it's really somewhere, that doesn't mean that there's nowhere to go. Uh, they still have a lot a lot of room to grow. That's really exciting. You're seeing the rotation start to take a little bit more shape. Uh, I, I think Purdue's going to keep trying to play 10, but if someone falls out, I, I've got a feeling it's going to be Brian Waddell or David Jenkins Jr. Um, I don't know that Jenkins can fall out for good just because Purdue does need another ball handler in there. But there is a pretty legitimate drop-off from Braden Smith to him at point guard. Uh, Jenkins does bring some shot-making ability, but I think teams are going to start forcing him a little bit more to make good decisions with the ball. Uh, he had a few plays tonight, and you know, even against Florida State a little bit, where decision-making just isn't the smartest, we'll see that grow. Uh, you know, again, he's not a point guard playing, he's not a point guard, but he's playing point guard, and that's always a tricky deal. But as a whole, you know, Purdue's at eight and zero. as you sit here, you know, it's quite reasonable that Purdue is undefeated when the ball drops on New Year's. Now, don't overlook that game at Nebraska on Saturday. No, 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 they just beat Creighton today. Uh, they're another group, you know, I can't tell you I know a ton about them because none of them were at Nebraska last year besides Tomanaga. He's like the only one I can remember. But they at least seem to be playing hard. Uh, they've been competitive. I mean, they blew out, uh, completely blew out Florida State, uh, played all right with St. John's and Oklahoma and Memphis. I mean, beat Boston College, beat Florida State, beat Creighton. That's not the worst deal in the world. I mean, they're they're going to be a team that Purdue has to play well to beat. But, you know, as you look ahead, there's a lot to like about this team. It's going to be a really fun season. Uh, if it hasn't already been, it's going to be a really fun season. So I'll leave it at that. That's all I've got for today. I'll be back sometime. Uh, obviously, if not this week, it'll be up next Monday. We'll talk about both these basketball games. Football is going to be getting active in the transfer portal. Uh, there are offers going out. I do suspect that Purdue will have some players leave because everyone does. That's just kind of the nature of this. So we'll talk all of that. Uh, we will talk any news related to the the Citrus Bowl. Obviously, it's opt-out time. I, I don't know. I don't know that I think anyone for Purdue is a solidified, definitely going to opt out the way Bell and Karloftis were last year. But I don't know if these guys that are, you know, fringe draft picks, if they would opt out or not. You know, I don't know. I'm not an agent. I I can't claim to know that process well enough, but there will be plenty to talk about. If anything is major, obviously I'll be back here sooner. Uh, Maybe we'll come back here after Hofstra. I'm not sure, but regardless, that's all I've got for today. Thank you, guys. If you don't already, give the show a follow on Twitter, at BoilersBeyond. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We're coming at you plenty. Don't miss an episode. Until next time, guys, uh, get your Christmas shopping done. Be safe and enjoy a couple of basketball games this week.